Hello, and welcome to The Gardens, located in sunny The Gardens is one of the largest combined zoological habitat and theme parks in the world. With over 72 thrilling attractions and nearly 11,000 animals in our care, we know that every member of your family will find something incredible each time you visit. But that's just the start of your adventure. To really see what the park has to offer, I'll turn you over to our top two guides. Take it away, boys! Welcome to ThoughtSpeak, a weekly podcast dedicated to the discussion and review of K.A. Applegate's 1996 book series, Animorphs. Today we're talking about Megamorphs number two, so it's a very special episode. Very special. Megamorphs number two in the time of dinosaurs. Nice pronunciation of any title. When I was originally making the artwork, I said in the time of the dinosaurs, and I was just looked very foolish. You're such a fool. Everyone knows there's only one thought. Anyway, uh, making this special, special episode even more special, we're joined by a guest host, a, a co-host who is a guest. A co-guest host. A co-guest host. And she is. She is Liz. Say hi, Liz. Hi, I'm Liz. There she is. All right. Uh, can we, uh, very very quickly here, tell us what is a Liz? What does a Liz do? And how did Liz come to find animorphs? Go. Um, a Liz is a native Texan girl. That happened to be swept off her feet by someone she thought was normal and turned out to be kind of nerdy. And eventually found so. out that he was into Animorphs and listened to his podcast because she was slightly desperate, but not really. And <laughs> then she also really likes dinosaurs. So Ooh, that well, is how she came to be here. They were like, hey, you listen to a podcast that we do and you like dinosaurs. So here's a book about Animorphs dinosaurs do you want to elaborate coleman yeah i just in my mind you know i've been watching her go from (laughs) (laughs) i've been watching her her go from not understanding why we would want to make a podcast on a young adult barely even young adult, you know, book series about that, you know, most of us read when we were middle school to actually listen to the podcast and find out who the characters were without actually reading a book and then listening to all the podcasts that we had put out. (laughs) And so I figured, you know, as sexy as Nate was, you know, we really needed that, that woman demographic. Yeah. I mean, he brought a little bit of that. They would have fallen in love even harder. They would have. I don't know. You can't see my beard. <laughs> it's true. It's incredible. That might be a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I would be lying if I said when I started reading it, I didn't kind of feel like I was finally getting to hang out with the cool kids. Like I heard so much about all these people and I never really experienced it. And then I was like, oh, okay, now I get to be there myself. And then I judged myself because <laughs> I was on a plane. Honestly, just throughout the episodes and then actually reading a book, I think she's developed a little bit of a crush on Jake. Um, what? And that's why she wanted to get on the podcast, so that she could just be a little closer to his world. Wow, and, you're going to have to fight Cassie for him. Weird. And she's got a T-Rex morph, so watch out. 
mm, not really. But um, I think the only thing I want to say is that what interested me most about having her on the podcast, other than just I'm madly in love with her and, you know, just want to do things with her. <laughs> um I wanted, you know, Nate was, you know, he's already like a geeky sci-fi guy. And so, you know, it Agreed. wasn't too much of a stretch to have him on. No, he was talk the about... target audience for Animorphs, I would say. Yeah, and so what interests me most is having someone who very well could just not like the book. And that's that's fine. I want to hear, I just want to have as many people on the show that, aren't us, aren't blinded by nostalgia. Because that's why we started the show. We wanted to see as two perfectly somewhat normal uh, adults with jobs and 100% lives. And normal. 100% normal. Uh, could reread this series that was made for kids and see if it holds up at all or if we could get anything out of it. So I think the next step in that is having people on who almost don't even care about the series. <laughs> oh, yeah. Then next we're going to get Mark, who will flat out just hate it. <laughs> <laughs> and tell us how stupid it is and probably get up and leave during the halfway through the podcast <laughs> um but yeah so so liz that's that's my hope is that you don't hold back you tell us your <laughs> real feelings because that's that's what i want to hear okay not don't look into my you know thousand yard amazing blue eyes they are amazing what's the there's some phrase i don't know don't <laughs> I, I don't, don't know what the hell he's talking about, but I'll agree really with like him. Passes. Don't be blinded by your insatiable love for me. That's better. And talk about how good the book Done. is if you don't feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, without your real further ado, uh we should have our guest of honor read the back of the book. Oh, really? oh wait, so we're we're gonna yeah. jump into the review? Yeah, you ready for it or we're we're ready. This section of the park houses one of the most extensive research libraries devoted to animal biology on the West Coast. Your guides will provide a thorough summary of any book that might catch your eye. Careful though, once you get them started, they'll never want to stop. As we said, today we are discussing and reviewing Megamorphs number 2 in the time of dinosaurs. And the back of the book is going to be read by Liz. Guest of honor gets the honor. <clears throat> We could blame everything that happened on Marco. He was the one who heard about the downed submarine. He was the one who thought we should check it out. And everyone knows that if Marco's up to a challenge, I'm definitely there. Everything was going fine. Until the explosion. An explosion that blows us millions of years back in time. Back to the age of dinosaurs. Now Tobias, Cassie, Marco, Axe, Jake, and I are fighting for our lives with every step we take. But that's not our biggest problem. Our biggest problem is we have no idea how to get back to our own time. Dot, 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 dot. Four ellipses. <laughs> they did it again. You know what? That was great because I was able to imagine it being read as Rachel. You Why? Know, I can do that anytime you want. Just let me know. I'll do voiceovers for you. You, you should. Every, every, uh, every time we have a Cassie or Rachel book. <laughs> yep. Honey, I don't know if you've heard, but there is an Animorphs audiobook project that's trying to cast characters. <laughs> Wouldn't that just be a twist of irony? <laughs> I get a job from this. Why <clears throat> Why is the back of the book being read? Have they had any other books being read by a specific character? 
Who has on like the uh, front cover? No, I think the other Megamorphs book was uh, uh, narrated by a specific character as well. Hmm. Yeah, usually just... the back of the books are not from first person view. Right. I'm just going with that theme. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the actual book cover itself. Which one did you get? I got yeah, because there's so many of these things. Apparently, there's five. There's five different covers. They're all just slightly different colors, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I got like an orangey, purpley kind of ugly, terrible thing. That's the one Liz got as well. Oh, okay. mine's the one, the one with Marco on the inner flap, right? Well, no, hers. I think hers is like a second run or something. Cause she has all the, um, all the different ones you could have, like in a six-panel kind of weird, badly photoshopped <laughs> thing. Really? Um, oh, that's kind of cool. I wish I had that one, to be honest with you. I'm envious of your book, Liz. <laughs> yeah. Okay, here comes my first negative review. I was disappointed that it's a book about dinosaurs and there's no dinosaurs on the cover. Yeah, that's a very, very good point. Man, well, they could have got the word dinosaur right there on the front. with this cover. But I mean, why don't we have them, like, morphing a dinosaur? Like, every other book, I assume, has a morph on the cover. This is just like a weird mishmash of some eyes and animal patterns. I can't believe they missed out on the opportunity to have uh, someone morphing into a T-Rex on the cover. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it seems like that's what would have sold more. I mean, I know the Megamorphs, they try to go more artsy with the front covers, but like this could have been a generic front cover for, I don't know, like the first book in the series or Megamorphs number one. It's just them with different animal patterns. Yeah, it, well, it's Boring, really. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, I got the. I just got the straight orange one. It doesn't have any purple. It's not even that different. But I know there's a oh. green one and a blue one, and uh, there's one that's like almost black and white, like barely has any color. I don't oh. know if that was a special edition or if they just got bored at the printing press. <laughs> they ran out of ink in the machine later. <laughs> yeah, that's we're just witnessing the uh, the dying of their printer. <laughs> or maybe the marketing team just didn't know what dinosaurs looked like. Maybe they just, that's just another failing of them that they didn't take, like, third grade maybe, science. Maybe they were young Earth creationists. <laughs> At the very least, they could have put, like, lizard skin somewhere. Anything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A palm tree. Something. But we've pretty much already proven at this point that the marketing team doesn't read the books, so. I don't even know if they were knew they were working on books. That's what I'm wondering at this point. Like, maybe they thought it was, like, a TV series or this is some new internet video game <laughs> yeah 95 it could have been who knows yeah mm-hmm. so uh you guys want to dive into the book this book yeah. i think has one of the just the quickest like we don't care about plot let's just get to the 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 meat of this thing because it's all about uh the, the setup happens in about a chapter and a half maybe of marco Watching the news with his dad, he hears about this uh, downed submarine that's in some trouble. I don't remember what the trouble with it was. Do you? It was downed. They lost yeah, it. Yeah, okay. They Periscope couldn't find down. it. <laughs> Mikhail's Navy wasn't operating at maximum capacity. So the team, of course, has to go check it out because they think they can help in their dolphin morphs. And uh, they swim with some scuba divers, blah, blah, blah. Um, there's, there's an explosion that sends them back in time. I think it's not a spoiler to say it's the time of the dinosaurs. Of dinosaurs. <laughs> um, I did think it was weird that 
I don't know. It's almost like they, if they're trying to make these Megamorphs books more like movies, it's almost like the, it's like an inside joke that they're like, we're going to do as little exposition as possible. It's like a Michael Bay movie. We're just going to jump right into the plot and hit you over the head with it, and boom, there's action. Well, and, you know, this, there's no Yerks in this book, and I don't you know. You can't prove it, that. <laughs> I don't know if that, well, good point, I guess. But I don't know if that helps it or hurts it, to be honest. Well, it was cool that, you know, the whole books are all about Kay Applegate, uh, Kay Applegate's, you know, wanting to write about nature, and especially through Cassie, like her kind of just, you know, very hippie, over the top, just wanting to, you know, get closer to nature and talk about it and, and get that into kids' minds and conservation yeah, and all yeah. that. I, I so it's cool that, yeah, so it's cool that, uh, that nature is the antagonist in this book. Oh, yeah. survival you know kids trying to just be in a wild you know environment well said uh not too sure how this uh atomic bomb explosion creating a sario rip makes any sense but that's what happens well they create sario rips because they trip you know <laughs> those things show up in every other book i know and especially since we just read about the sario rips mm-hmm. yeah so and they they do this whole. It's funny that yeah, the, the book's called In the Time of Dinosaurs, and most of the people who bought this, if they weren't already Animorphs fans, you know, they they bought it because it was the dinosaur book. Um, so it's funny that they try to do like this whole tease of like, is that a volcano in the background? Like, what are we doing? Yeah, they spend some time questioning. I mean, well, realistically, why would they think they've gone back in time that far? They should have read the cover. Like. <laughs> I guess they didn't get to it, but um, yeah, they they quickly discover that they are not in their own time period when they get chased by some uh, water dinosaurs. Do you remember what they were called? No. You're the dinosaur guy. <laughs> when I was reading it, I thought it was going to bring up one of my favorite dinosaurs, the plesiosaur, because they were long-necked, you know, swimming dinosaurs. I thought we were going to see Nessie or something swimming up, but I think it starts with an E. It's like Eramosaur or... Aramosaur, I'm not sure. Aragonosaurus, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's another, like, Mosasaur-type creature that comes up that the other, the two long-necked water dinosaurs are afraid, terrified of, that immediately eats Rachel and Tobias. Yeah, for fun. Tobias and Rachel get eaten, and, you know, because they had to have those two separated from the group early on. While everybody else manages to swim away and make their way to land and be morph and yay, they're safe and sound. Yeah, I thought that was pretty terrifying as a kid, though. Just the graphic detail of, like, the the gullet stones, you know, rubbing up against them and how it's just complete blackness. And they're just being digested. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the first experiences I could think about reading about characters being in some giant creature's stomachs. Yeah. So, pretty, pretty cool. Elasmosaurus. Elas- Elas- what was it? Elasmosauruses. This- oh, that was the long-necked one. Sorry. Yeah. No, that's that's what we need to know. I was wrong. There you go. It's not the one that ate them, but it's the there one that was like chasing them the when they page. ate it. Okay, new job, Liz. We need you to just sit in on every podcast and then look things up in the book. <laughs> I'll be your, like, paralegal. Yeah, fact yeah. checker. <laughs> okay. The uh, the Mosasaur one is a Chronosaurus. There you go, yeah. We need you to take minutes for these podcasts. 
<laughs> yeah, okay, Mitch. I'll get right on that. Now, Liz, you've been listening to these podcasts, and you're meeting these characters for the first time. Are they anything like you thought from us describing them? Um, kind of. I mean, I feel like they were a little bit more epitomize like you guys made him sound kind of normal but marco was like a little bit overly funny mm-hmm. and yeah. rachel was a little bit overly overly crazy badass like <laughs> cassie was a little bit overly emotional to where i kind of thought they were a little bit more just a normal group of kids yeah, yeah right you, of... you are exactly right about that and this book is uh i'm right about everything Mitch. <laughs> i know i just want to point it out well, I think also coming in on a Megamorphs book is weird because everything's exaggerated. Like, it's more... Yeah. They write those characters more to their tropes because they're going for that blockbuster feel. Whereas a book like, you know, we're about to do 19 with Cassie in the woods with a yerk child, you know, it's not... She's not her trope. She's very much the opposite. We see a new side of Cassie. You know, they, they go into the normal books more into the heads of the people and make them more fleshed out. One thing that I did think was interesting about my perceptions of the characters was the voices I gave them in my head. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I'd kind of heard you guys talking about how Jake was played by the guy who was in the Iceman and X-Men. Yeah. yeah. So I could, like, hear his voice. Apparently, my brain interprets Axe to sound like Kevin Spacey machine in Moon. Oh, <laughs> that's that's what his voice was to me. That's what I heard. A robot? Awesome. That's pretty dead on. Yeah, Kevin Spacey's voice is great for just anything. Didn't you? You didn't realize Cassie was black, too, right? That is correct. I did not realize that until the little animated pictures on the top of the chapter that said Cassie, and I said, "What?" Oh, <laughs> I could have swore we mentioned that at one point. I think we mentioned it in the first episode, like. That Kay Applegate made an interracial and couple. Here's the clarification. I listen to the podcast while I do other stuff. So there's times that I, like, really catch stuff. And then there's times that, you know, it's, like, background noise. Not to be rude. No, that's how we... No, that's, that's what it's like how... when I'm editing it. Okay, yeah. That's what it's like when I listen to another podcast. I so listen to it while I work. You guys totally could have brought it up and I just... Look, okay, we're going to take a break. Liz is going to go back and really listen to the other episodes. She's prepared sure. for the episode. I'll come back for like the next Megamorph episode, having read all of the series up to it, and Whoa. see how that changes things. It's a good book. Ooh, yeah, I was going to say, that would be a good one, actually. <laughs> if it's not dinosaurs, I don't care. No. Time travel? Some serious stuff. Um, <clears throat> anyway. Um, Plot-wise, we are at the point where the groups are splitting up, and... Tobias and Rachel are eaten at this point, uh, and everybody else is on land running from a T-Rex, because that's the first thing they run into when they get on the land. Yeah, they they get into the T-Rex pretty quick. They didn't try to build it up or anything. No, because they you know they want to they want to milk the T-Rex subplot. That's what the kids are here to see. <laughs> yeah. We don't want to literally milk the T-Rex. <laughs> that's a this is a book I want to read. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, Tobias and Rachel do manage to uh, undigest themselves and escape their water dinosaur confinement. Their watery graves. <laughs> Ooh. A water graveosaurus. Uh, we did also have a nice little scene of, you know, even though 
this constantly happens with the rest of the series. You know, they they assumed Rachel and Tobias were dead, and they had a little breakdown and grieving, but they couldn't do that long because of said T-Rex who showed up. Right, yeah. Um, but then we get to see, you know, Rachel mending Tobias's broken wing and uh, a little discussion on how the morphing technology works. Huh? Or in we this have, case, isn't working. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which that's most people's biggest problem with these books is that they throw up most of the rules. That morphine doesn't heal you because it's convenient to this plot, this specific plot. You know, they don't get to keep their dinosaur morphs at the end because, you know, they don't want them fighting Yerks with T-Rexes in the next book. No, and I honestly don't don't think, you know, Cassie could do it again after this book. Oh, yeah. That and it just, you know, it would be a way, way overpowered morph. <laughs> a little bit. But uh, anyway, so while everyone else is running from the T-Rex, uh, Axe flat out kills it. Yeah, so I know. It's, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> Axe has, has gotten a, a T-Rex kill under his belt. That is pretty impressive. And I like that he... Uh... He's ready to fight Wizard 3, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I like that he, uh, that they, you know, they're all congratulating, trying to pat him on the back for it. He's like, no, this is, this is not... I can't do this. This was a fluke. Yeah, you know, it, yeah, it was turned the right way. Nice like he little... acted scared yeah. of what he just did. That was good writing on on their part. <laughs> yeah, then they then they go all bear grills and start uh, making sandals. <laughs> they they the craft some items out of their downed enemy. Typical yeah. RPG stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, what do you think of this cutting back between Tobias and Rachel and? Like is it is it trying to do too, too much of like the Star Wars plot where you got something happening in one area and coming no, back to the main people? No, it makes sense because they always try to to split up these uh, these bigger stories into you know separate subplots and such. I mm. mean, think about our last Megamorphs book, man. They had time to work in an entire amnesia subplot. <laughs> well, you had to have the amnesia subplot. Liz, you can't... you're lucky you missed the amnesia subplot <laughs> they should have Rachel should have gotten her amnesia back and then Tobias should have had amnesia from his broken wing somehow and then like they had to deal with meeting each other first time and possibly falling in love all over again wow yeah there's an original plot <laughs> uh, so let's see plot wise we've got some more of Tobias and Rachel wandering through the forest and uh, of course, they got to encounter, you know, their next group of dinosaurs. Spinosaurus. Uh, okay, there you go. That's and what, Triceratops. That's what they find. Uh, and, you know, encountering dinosaurs in the woods, your chances are not very good of, of getting out of there alive, right? They don't meet a Spinosaurus and a Triceratops. That's when they meet the the ones that are attacking Rachel. Right? Oh yeah, sorry. Like they do meet they do meet triceratopses. They don't meet the spinosaurus until later, though. Yeah. The tri- they Dude. they come across a herd of triceratops, and then they notice that the um, is it uh, Di- Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The what the Velociraptors in Jurassic Park were supposed to be. Um, right. They meet those coming at the triceratops, and they hatch a plan because they see that they're kind of in between the raptors and and it you know the triceratops so uh you know they 
get to morphing them right after Rachel starts a fight with the pack. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'd like to point out that uh, at the very end of the story, it's page 229 in my book, there's a note from Tobias, and he uh, goes on and points out the dinosaurs that they encountered. Cause he's oh, yeah. Them up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't so think it's got... 229 in ours. Huh? Oh, yeah, it is. Never mind. Yeah, 229. It's the There's the whole list of dinosaurs. You know, I've been looking it up, like, flipping through the pages trying to find these dinosaur names. <laughs> they have oh, it all in the back. Well, yeah, the note in the back. <laughs> but I thought the, uh, you know, the whole Tobias losing himself in a morph is good because he has the least experience in morphing in general. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We uh, still need to see Tobias lose himself quite a bit. Um, and, you know, this this book definitely made me like Tobias a lot more. Um, just getting in his head... Um, him actually being the intelligent one, uh, it, it worked, you know? We got to see Tobias be cool. But yeah, it was nice seeing Tobias in that frame. And also just the whole, you know, it goes back to why she wrote the books in general. She wants to show animals and, and their instincts and how they're just basically teach like a Discovery Channel show about different animals and their, um, you know, their cultures and how they relate to each other. So here we get a nice little raptor pack. Uh, lecture on how their alpha males work. <laughs> right, and if this uh, if this series was to ever be rebooted in some way, shape, or form, and this story was to be updated, I think there'd be a lot uh, changed with the dinosaurs, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure they'd go into the whole uh, feathered approach and go more into the evolution with birds and everything. Oh, well... That's that the modern. Cool. That's the modern focus of paleontology. Um, so after, because they're cutting back and forth so much, uh, we get back to the other team, who are you know just on on land. They're just waking up. They uh, point out there's a comet in the sky, and honestly, who didn't see that coming, right? I I didn't. First time I read this, I thought like obviously when they said comet, I was like. You know, that puts a timer on the book. I thought it was just uh, going to yeah. hit. So it's kind of a surprise later when you find out that it's not heading towards Earth. And then in the back of your mind, you're like, so what's about to change? Because they didn't, they didn't, they don't put this comet in here for no reason. It's obviously a plot device. Well, while they're sitting around admiring it, they get ambushed by yet another T-Rex. <laughs> this book is uh, not, not scrimped on the T-Rex. Yeah, and if Kay Applegate and Michael Grant would have done a little bit of research, they'd know that a T-Rex's territory was, you know, like 200 miles. So there wouldn't be a bunch of T-Rexes, like, hanging out together. Wow, that's some territory. Mm-hmm. They traveled, they went all day long, just moving like orca whales or something. <laughs> what a terrible animal. Uh, the next uh, couple chapters is Rachel fighting some dinosaurs while... Uh, Tobias eventually shows up in Morph and kind of unintentionally saves her. Yeah, this is the Spinosaurus, which um, this is where the Spinosaurus show up, which I think as a kid I read this that the Spinosaurus just came down from the trees. So that's something on this reread I, I didn't notice, uh, or it, it kind of hit me, that they're just seeing the heads of the Spinosauruses over the trees. So I didn't, I always thought that this, book differed from like Jurassic Park 3 where the Spinosaurus was this huge creature but no they played that up in this book too oh 
So that was new on this reread. Didn't even catch on to that, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like behind the trees. Like their heads are rising up above it. So, because they're, you know, Tobias and Rachel do that whole thing where they're, uh, they sleep in a tree that night. And they kind of, Tobias is musing over the fact that they're the first humans to, you know, sleep in trees. And that's that's what Marco is doing this entire book is talking about how they're the first humans to make yeah. sandals and the first humans to make fire. and Yep. A lot of that stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but the team manages to take down the T-Rex again. And this is the point when they all wisen up and think, maybe we should acquire this thing while we can. And during this uh, bit of action, they see some weird-looking flashes of lights that they know are unnatural and decide to follow it. Where they find a city. In the time of the dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, an alien civilization on prehistoric Earth. You know, it's weird that they took this route. I mean, I get why they did, because they wanted to build up the whole comet thing. But I think I could have, I think I could have been interested by an entire book of animorphs just running from dinosaurs. <laughs> it's it's strange that they are like, man, this book's all right, but we're really losing our alien crowd. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't know. Maybe they thought it wasn't sci-fi enough with all the time travel and Sario rips and Anamorphin. Subtlety has never been Applegate's, uh, you know, I think, main focus. <laughs> I think it, it was to avoid it being just a, they go back in time and then they get back to their own time. I think it was to have them actually do something yeah and no i understand and that's it makes sense and it's they're not it's not a bad subplot it's interesting it's just like you know most kids were into this because of the dinosaurs it's like okay crab people why not (laughs) that's right because they they end up finding the alien city uh well they don't find out now but they're called the mercora um we've got uh tobias and rachel fighting some more dinosaurs they're still engaged in their own battle with their dino morphs and uh they happen to run into their own alien, which is called, uh, it calls itself the Nesk. And this one yeah. can talk. And before that, I'd just like to say that this is the point where they see the Spinosauruses, and before had been the point where they uh, do the whole pack alpha <laughs> male, you know, release. This is what I get for, uh, for depending on you with dinosaurs. Well, you know, when you just write dinosaur in the summary over and over again, <laughs> It gets a little confusing. There's I a lot thought, of dinosaurs had, in this book. I thought you were a dinosaur nerd. I thought you had all of these memorized. I know the dinosaurs. I'm just saying. He doesn't have them memorized in chronological order of appearance in the book. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the one thing that can help us. If you even said, like, the small, sharp-toothed dinosaur, like, anything <laughs> would have helped. Sharp-toothed? Are we getting the land no, before time? No. <laughs> My notes specify that they encountered dinosaurs, and that is it. <laughs> then they met a little foot, and they met a triceratops named Sarah. And Ducky. And then Ducky. and then there was Ducky and Petrie. <laughs> I think I can hear uh, Petrie's voice in my head more than any other <laughs> childhood voice actor. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, they meet the Nesk, a bunch of ants. Which, uh, ironic, since that's, like, their number one enemy in the normal series as well. Well, yeah, I think 
you know, Applegate and Grant were, were thinking, okay, we got to make the bad guys something that is instantly hateable. What do we got here? Oh, yeah, ants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've already, they've been building up the entire series to this point, making us hate Prehistoric ants and Prehistoric ant aliens. <laughs> That's as bad as it gets, people. I love just looking through your summary. I've been I've been taking note of this. Uh, this is like the fourth or fifth instance of you writing Rachel attacks. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, she uh, does attack quite a bit. She does, but yeah, that's how they found out it's ants because she like which it's weird. So they're made up of ants, but it's not a hundred percent recognizable just from looking at them. No, because they're they're like regular small ants. So you know they're they're very small. It just looks like, I imagine, like a lava person might. Yeah, like really interesting textured, but why would that be questionable? Because it's an alien. Yeah, that's true. They are already dealing with a lot. And it so. does it does say it makes it like look like a face, too. Yeah. It probably looks like... why they would do that. Why wouldn't they make a giant ant? Why even... <laughs> why make a, a weird Nesk alien? Yeah, it probably looked like um like a bad costume off of like the original Star Trek series or something. <laughs> it's just the like one of those green man suits covered in those fake plastic ants. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Yeah. So yeah, the villains from this book aren't very fleshed out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a pun. <laughs> <laughs> Did you mean to make that pun? Not even, but then I always speak what I mean. Sorry. It was a good one. It made Liz <laughs> laugh out loud. So, uh, let's see. Um, they're, they're meeting ants. Uh, everybody else are birds, and they're meeting crabs. <laughs> only in Animorphs. <laughs> yeah, only in Animorphs. Does that sentence make sense? Um, they're flying around above the crab civilization. They get attacked by flying dinosaurs. See, I this is what... Whoa. I specified whoa. here. Flying dinosaurs. Whoa. You, you, you're right. You did specify here. And you're 100% wrong because they're being attacked by pterosaurs, which aren't dinosaurs. Pteranodons okay. and pterosaurs were pterosaurs, which is a completely different uh, gene pool than dinosaurs. Hey, it made sense in my notes. It did. Tobias doesn't even list them in his page 229 notes. <laughs> yeah. Tobias was asleep that day when he was picking out dinosaur toys. Well, no, but he wasn't really a part of being attacked. I mean, he, he grabbed one. Of. Because yeah. he, he and Rachel end up jumping or falling off the cliff and falling immediately into all of the action. So this is where the characters finally meet up again. Yeah, and it's uh, it's funny because I think the chapter ended with Cassie looking up and there was like a dinosaur holding on to the pteranodon and <laughs> flying past her or something. Oh, no, the chapter ended with uh, Tobias's best line where he looks up and sees the uh, the flying dinosaurs. And he says, I used to play with you. <laughs> but doesn't list them in his notes, so it's not very helpful to us, Tobias. That's because he already knew it. He ID'd it. The Tobias Pokedex went off <laughs> as soon as he saw it. Okay. So I want to take a moment real quick and be like, okay, so we got, we've got we got ant dinosaurs. Not ant dinosaurs. We've got ant aliens. <laughs> we've got crab people who Marco keeps trying crab to people. cook and eat. We've got force field cities, we've got dinosaurs, we've got time travel, and then we got the Animorphs. And atomic bombs. So I want to take a moment and be like, Liz, where are you at in this book right now? What's your, what's your general feeling? <laughs> it's um, asking you to accept a lot. 
Well, I think what's interesting is I read this about a month ago. Shh. <laughs> sorry. We all did. I was pre-reading <laughs> in preparation. Um, but so it's weird, like, looking back and trying to remember what my initial thoughts were. Because right now I'm trying to look back and, like, remember the scenes in my head and it's just a mashup of, like, the Land Before Time dinosaurs, <laughs> the We're Back dinosaurs, Mr. Krabs from Spongebob, and, like, just these really weird images in my head of what I remember these scenes being like, but I don't think I remember them that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure but, helping, or I'm sure talking with us helps. Yes, so much. Um, one thing I do remember thinking when I read this is, I was surprised by how long it took everyone to think, oh, we should try and acquire a dinosaur to morph. I mean, if I got blown back in time and there's dinosaurs and I know I can morph, the first thing in my head is I'm, I'm going to morph a mother effing dinosaur. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I'm going to be a dinosaur and I would you go and hunt out the coolest ones. <laughs> I, mean, I don't want you. I want to be a stegosaurus. So in this, in this Liz before time scenario, uh, <laughs> you're not even worried about getting back. You're just... I'm no. gonna go get a brachiosaurus. I am, I'm gonna be a bird, and I'm gonna find a dinosaur, and I'm gonna jump on it and stick my claws in it and acquire it, and then I'm gonna let go, and then I'm gonna go find another dinosaur. Well, honey, you can't acquire. Oh well, yeah, anymore. you can't acquire in more. <laughs> well, I'm gonna like knock it out or something, because don't they put it to sleep? Well, yeah, they, they kill a couple. Yeah. No, like, don't they like, go into a lull. Yeah, they put yeah. them compar- yeah. Put yeah. to sleep permanently. No, she's she's talking about um. When they get like sedated when you acquire yeah. them, so well, she's pulling out some intense I'm animorph ambush, knowledge right now. Sedate, acquire, and leave. I'm gonna hit it and quit it. Just go from dinosaur <laughs> to dinosaur to dinosaur. That is my plot line in this book. How many dinosaurs can I be at once? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't even try to go booty call. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where I'm at. Just why aren't they finding cooler dinosaurs to be? Yeah, yeah more, more dinosaurs. I say. <laughs> uh, well, I want to read that book. But... I'll write it for you. Okay, fanfic. <laughs> yep. Okay, that's where we're at. Write it, write it. Okay, so plot wise, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, bringing it back around. Uh, we've got we've got half the team, or precisely all of the team, I guess. Now <laughs> we've got half the team, this... or precisely the entire team. <laughs> all of them. They're all hanging out Technically. on the field above the Mercara City. It's it's just the place to be right now. And uh, this is where they actually meet the Mercora. They, they reveal themselves to them. They kind of make friends. Uh, the Mercora are creepy at first, but they're all right, guys. They give them broccoli. So, <laughs> not bad. Which they make the very, it's almost like they're like, like adults who don't know how kids actually think. They make some joke about, Oh, Broccoli's alien. Could have guessed that. Wink, We're wink. Right, yeah. <laughs> a very obvious joke. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think as a kid, I never had a problem with Broccoli, really. Well, you stand alone. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, uh, yeah, so the, the crab people feed them and everything, and it's great. And uh, they, they devise this plan, uh, because what else can they really do but break into the bad guy's lair, the nest and steal a bomb from them to try and recreate this explosion because that's their, their honest to God, their best plan. <laughs> well, we get another scene of uh, of Axe not remembering something from school, but they all turn to him to explain Sario rips. Right, um, yeah. 
which for as many sorry rips as exist, you know, it's still kind of weird that they're teaching it in like and uh, Andalite grade school. It's like for here's how you create time, them. Here's how you close them. Explaining sorry rips. Yeah, exactly. But uh, but he doesn't remember anything, even though he's probably dealt with more sorry rips than the entire Andalite race at this point. <laughs> He should be an expert. I find it funny, though, that when they're actually on their way to go steal the bomb, X flat out admits to everybody that he's got no freaking clue how he's going to fix the Sario rip, or even if they can. Yeah, they get mad at him at first, and then they're like, okay, well, we'll still steal the bomb, I guess, and set it off? Is that the plan? Uh, yeah, they've got no better plan. There's nothing they can do. <laughs> this is like something just to kill time at this point. Well, they do discuss just living with the Makora and eating broccoli for the rest of their lives. Oh, yeah. Very seriously, they discuss that option. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, no, they, they, they're they all in full uh, full dinosaur morph because their plan involves, you know, casually walking into the base as dinosaurs. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> We're just going to casually stroll in there, start wrecking things. It makes a little sense since the Nesk are, like, for some reason, incredibly protective over the dinosaurs. Like, they see them as their property. So, I mean, they're ant people. They don't really care about things walking around or stepping on them. Ant people. Not good as crab people. This is very Uh, much like a 1950s B-movie, Atomic Age, (laughs) drive-in. I'm doing crab people from um, South Park. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, everybody's morphing T-Rexes, well, aside from Tobias and Rachel, um, but, uh, they, they all lose their shit, and, and lose themselves entirely in their morph, um, especially Cassie, who, who just can't get a grip. She goes, falls to the walls crazy, and tears apart her Triceratops. I think this is the most thoughtful scene in the book, maybe? This is the actual scene where they, they lose the kind of blockbuster facade and they try to say something else about Cassie. I mean, I know that's kind of her shtick is that she's, you know, she cares about animals. She doesn't want to hurt animals. She doesn't want to hurt anything. But the, knowing what the next book is and the fact that she wants to quit the animals and everything, it's pretty. What? Oh, sorry. Spoilers. For Liz. <laughs> spoilers for Liz. No, uh, I actually want to hear what Liz had to say about this because I thought this was just like, um, um, out of nowhere. Yeah. Did that take you by surprise, Liz? I mean, not really. I feel like in any series that's 874 books long, <laughs> like you're going to have to give some characters some contradictions and they're going to have to deal with facing their worst fears of who they are, whatever. Yeah, it's called Book 19. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So it was only a matter of time before she kind of went crazy and morph and killed something and then had to deal with the emotional repercussions. Well, this is actually the second experience so far of that. I mean, this is the bloody, really messed up one that really messes with her. But the worst thing that's ever happened to Cassie is that she, they were being controlled by it. They were termites and they had, they had like a hive mind thing going on. And to get out of it, they were going to die. They were just going to live their lives as termites. Cassie actually controlled her morph a little bit because she's better at morphing than the rest. And she, like, decapitated the termite queen. And even though it's a termite, she, like, lost it. Because wow. she wiped out, basically, that hive of termites by killing the oh, queen. Oh, I assume I remember that. Yeah, it's not a very good book. But that part of it was, <laughs> was pretty good. And so, yeah, so 
she almost quit then, and now she's. Was it a Triceratops she eats in this? I can't yeah, remember. it's a Triceratops. Yeah. So and that's pretty crazy. Uh, but here, to to compare and contrast here, she eats one Triceratops and freaks out. Rachel earlier in the book is like, "Well, you know what? We're hungry. Why don't we morph some dinos and uh, go catch some food?" <laughs> yeah. Well, she actually suggests it. Rachel and Cassie are two very different creatures. Or wait, you mean Cassie said that earlier? No, Rachel said it. Yeah. Well, that's. I mean, that's their whole best friends trying to be as different as possible written wise you know i know Rachel. that's why i started with compare and contrast well that's that's good words (laughs) good one um yeah but uh she snaps out of it when when jake decides uh demorphing's the the way to go here to snap her out of it and it works of course because he's so dreamy (laughs) yeah jake talks her down as usual he demorphs like instantly. It's like that, and then just winks and smiles at her, <laughs> and she just snaps out of it. It'll be a very cinematic scene of Jake as a human, just teenager, and volcanoes in the background and stuff, walking oh, up to no, this T Rex. Like four or five T Rexes behind him. <laughs> yeah. I'm Ooh. Jake. Yep, very low angle shot, you know. It'd be pretty epic. You make that animated, and you've got a scene out of We're Back. Like, literally. No, you put that on the That's cover. That's true. <laughs> Jake standing there with T-Rexes in the back. <laughs> yeah, did you ever see the the cartoon We're Back where the dinosaurs are made yeah, smart yeah. and brought to me? Yeah, that scene exists in that. One of the kids walks up to one of the dinosaurs, the T-Rex. Crazy. What? It's gone crazy and has to, like, talk him into being John Goodman again. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, That's I remember that. Wow. Yeah, that movie uh, really... Like scarred me. I wonder if <laughs> I wonder if Applegate was a we're back fan. It's possible. I wouldn't doubt it. Anyway, so they actually get into the base, uh, the Nesk base. Oh yeah, and they just waltz right in. Yeah, and they uh, their big plan is okay. Distraction as usual. We're gonna wreck the base, and uh, somebody go find a bomb, specifically Axe, because no one else <laughs> looks, knows what they're go looking for. Go find something that looks like a bomb. Yeah. There's so many ways this could go wrong. <laughs> well, yeah, especially since they're immediately found out because this these these alien nesk guys have uh, thought speak reading technology, so they can tell when people are thought speaking, but they can't detect where it's coming from. Yeah, that was a surprise. I didn't remember that that that's what gave them away. They started thought speaking to each other. Yeah, yeah, just talking to each other blew their cover. But I think, I don't know why they're surprised by that, because the Nesk, when Tobias and Rachel initially met him, uh, also thought speaked. So maybe they could have given uh, X a little heads up or something. Yeah, you know, speak up, Tobias and Rachel. You know, don't you know give out vital information that'll save our lives or anything. <laughs> well, everyone kind of fights the, the Nesk, and uh, X manages to grab the explosive really quick, and they uh, they get out of there, and they're picked up by the Mercora in their spaceship. And, yeah, uh, and they uh, they head back to their little valley, their little force field city, and uh, the Mer- Mercora HQ, as I call it. Yeah, I, I saw that. Fondly just... referred to it as. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, Mercora is super excited. They're they're pumped because uh, the Nesker not only did they you know actually you know succeed in some kind of aggression towards the Nesk and. Uh, all of that, and they, uh, Animorphs got their bomb, so, you know, mission success. But the Nesk are 
gone. They're heading out. They're getting in their spaceships and leaving the planet, which is what the Makora wanted the whole time. Yeah, it's like a very Futurama-esque victory moment. Mm. <laughs> we won! The bad guys are leaving! Wait. <laughs> no, uh, as they quickly discovered, the, the Nesk have deflected this comet to hit the planet. Gasp. I never saw it coming. I honestly didn't see that coming. I mean, I knew that the comet was going to be involved, or I thought they were going to set off the nuclear device in low Earth orbit and accidentally blow up the Earth or something. But Well, you know, I, I just assumed that the comet was always heading towards Earth. And Axe was wrong? Yeah, why? He says it's it's moving away from Earth, right? Yeah, he's the one who tells him that it's not, you know, that's their only information on the comet is that it's, Axe says he can project it. You know, just with oh, his eyes. Right. Well, even just me being me and knowing that, you know, the comet hits Earth, I just had always assumed the comet is going to hit Earth. So it really wasn't a surprise to me, and I didn't really put much thought into it when when they say the Nesk have deflected this comet, so now it is going to hit the Earth. Yeah. And what, what does it say specifically in the book here um, about Tobias, you know, he kind of turns to Axe, and it says specifically. Oh, there's a, there's a moment of silence where, you know, Axe wasn't able to respond to people questioning him because uh, Tobias was, was asking him something. And then, then it asks, Axe asks them to give him a couple minutes. And this is when everybody heads out and flees. Well, yeah, the Macora are like, hey, they diverted this comet. I know you guys want to get home, but give us the bomb. And we can save the planet. You know, we can save, you know, our valley, the dinosaurs, everything from this comet. They, they're just going to take the nuclear device up to uh, up to the comet and blow it away because they don't have any bombs or anything, obviously. So, um, so obviously, there's the discussion between the animorphs, and they all decide, hey, we're going to help them. These are peace-loving, great crab people, and we're going to help them out. So they give up their bomb and their only trip home, and that's when you have the private messaging between Axe and Tobias and. Uh, after the Makora take off and they start heading up to the comet, that's when Tobias turns to everybody and is like, we need the GTFO right now. <laughs> yeah. Everyone, bird morph now! And don't ask questions. <laughs> and, and everybody is super pissed at him um, for, for seemingly you know sending these Makora to die. Oh yeah, the, the rest of the Animorphs are furious, especially Jake. You know, because he didn't get to make the decision. Oh, yeah. Uh, He's stripped of his leader position after being tested the living hell out of over the last couple of books. <laughs> funny shift. Uh, I don't know if it's just because Tobias is in a world he understands more with dinosaurs and it being his childhood and everything. But it's funny how Tobias really takes the lead in this book over Jake, over everybody. Well, yeah, it was a really interesting choice to make Tobias the one who's knowledgeable in dinosaurs. I mean, they could have given it to Marco. It made mm-hmm. him a slightly more interesting character, but... Well, I thought this was interesting because, you know, not that long ago, Jake was stopping, you know, a couple 11-year-old bullies from, you know, flushing Tobias's head down the toilet. So, now you got Tobias wiping out races of beans and all the dinosaurs. <laughs> well, that's just something that happens in Animorphs books. <laughs> yeah. Now, when we were originally reading this book... I remember uh, Liz saying that she wasn't thrilled about the fact that the Animorphs are uh, responsible 
for wiping out the dinosaurs. Yeah. I said that? <laughs> How do you feel about How the, do you really the feel? twist that animorphs are the reasons humans exist? Like, is that too over the top? Is that... Well, I thought it was backwards logic that it depends on your definition of time travel. But if I remember correctly, their justification is, well, we have to kill these aliens because we exist. But they exist because they killed the aliens. You know, it's it's Yeah, it's, it's a paradoxical... Yeah, so well, why we don't here you just Thought rewrite speak, Don't believe in paradoxes. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, it's the whole. I, I mean... choose to believe that they did nothing. Really? What do you mean? I think that comet would have hit Earth no matter what. Or, or let's not forget, like Cassie pointed out, Tobias can't be certain that that's the comet that hit Earth for sure. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe Axe was right, and that one was the one that circumnavigated Earth. Maybe it was just going to uh, go around the Earth a couple of times. Maybe it was already caught in the gravity, but, you know, it had to, to circle around. So Who you're knows? saying K. Applegate is just a douchebag and wanted to heap massive amounts of guilt for killing off all these species and aliens and races and everything on these children, and you don't even think it was worth it? <laughs> I just think it was a neat little twist to throw in there at the end. I think that sounds like Kay Applegate straight up. <laughs> I think that's her shtick. <laughs> that could be it too, yeah. Um, let's see. Um, no, Tobias, uh, he pretty much lays out exactly why the Mercora, along with every single dinosaur, had to die. And uh, they, they fly around for a good long while, watching the comet come closer to Earth and you know talking about their feelings and discussing things. And uh, it's when they just fly out to sea and morph dolphin again because they've got no idea what they should be doing besides maybe recreating the events of that first Saria Rift. So I have a question. Go for it. If they can't morph dinosaur when they come back, why can they morph animals that aren't evolved yet? My guess is because... I think it has to do with, like, they they leave their original bodies, uh, not necessarily in the present, but, like, in space-time. So the bodies that they they habitate when they're back in time are not their real bodies. Um, But they still have all the DNA that they've collected at that point. That's my guess. Hmm. I had to try and make sense of it. That didn't make much sense to me. But I mean, if <laughs> well, it's, it didn't make much sense to me either, and I said it. If Z space is this other dimension, Z space, yeah. If this is this other dimension where all their matter is stored or whatever when they're in morph, why is it restricted to Earth time? Yeah, it shouldn't so be. So why would evolution and it might just be because that's where but they're it doesn't at. matter for Axe. He's, uh, it I don't know. If we ever get Applegate on the show, we are. Boy, well, I mean, she said in the past that she doesn't. Ones. She said in the past that she doesn't have a reason for it. You know, she <laughs> she she she's, she's interviewed. She wanted to write a book about dinosaurs, but she didn't want to change the main series to include dinosaurs. I chalk it up just like everything. I chalk it up to the limits. He knew that the uh, the war with the Yurks wouldn't go the correct way if they had these T Rex morphs running around. So, you know. Maybe Rachel wouldn't have died. Maybe 
a hundred other things wouldn't have happened the right way if they had these sure, overpowered there you go. That's the, the simple explanation. Elemist yeah. fixes it all. And that's exactly why Applegate wrote it. <laughs> exactly. So as they're swimming around in Dolphin Morph, Comet falls, uh, undoes the Sario Rip as well as, you know, destroying the world, and sends everybody back into time. Back to the future, one might say. Back to the future part two. That's right. Um, which is, we get it like a uh, chapter and a half roundup of everybody going home and talking about their feelings and stuff. And that's the end. Yeah, it wraps up almost as quickly as it starts. It really does. As soon as they're back home, it's just like, and we're home now. That's it. We hey, I tried to I tried to morph T-Rex. Did you try to morph T-Rex? Yeah, it didn't work. Okay, see you later. <laughs> um, I do like, though, how they point out at the very end, um, uh, they say, uh, were we always there? I mean, were we meant to be there to do what we did? Was everything supposed to happen a different way? Should this planet be ruled by the Mercura today or the Nesk? Should there still be dinosaurs stomping around? Did we make it all right or did we mess it all up? They have no idea. We don't have any idea. And that's the way it should be. You know what? But I got to see some dinosaurs, some crab people, found out where broccoli came from. At the end of the day, you know, that's a pretty good book. It's, it's a good day here on the Thoughts Speak podcast. Yeah. Um, so you you want to jump into our reviews? We may as well. I mean, yeah, there's, there's not much else uh to do here. Wondering which roller coaster has the highest top speed, or what exhibit is our guide's favorite in the park? Just ask them. They love to share their opinions and critical analysis to help you better plan your day. Okay, you want to go first? Uh, yeah, I'll go first, sure. We'll save Liz for last, okay? Okay. That sounds good. Um, so I don't necessarily have a whole heck of a lot to say about this book. Um, it, it's not an overall intelligent book. Um, the whole inciting incident and the, uh, the, the climax really doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense, uh, when you stop to think about it and try to apply logic, but that's not why we read these books. So it, it's not that big of a deterrent for me. Um, I enjoyed the book. I had a lot of fun. It, it is a fun book and all the characters are in full force of their specific stereotypes. <laughs> Whatever we got. Uh, I think Liz said it best. You know, Rachel's overly aggressive. Uh, Cassie's overly humanistic. Jake is the overly macho leader. Uh, Marco's overly funny. It's, it's Everyone's doing their tropes, and it works. Um, Tobias, in particular, got to shine a little bit more, and it, it actually made me like him a lot more as a character. Um, so that's good. There's there's still a lot of growth potential for Tobias as well. So that's probably why he's one of the more interesting characters so far. Um, so that's about it. Uh, it it's it's a entertaining book. We got to see some dinosaurs, but don't expect anything too intelligent to come out of this. I think it is a solid three. Average book, three out of five dinosaurs. Three out of five dinosaurs. Okay. Um... <laughs> So, leading up to this book, this is one of the books I was excited about. Really excited about. As, as a kid, this was, out of all the Animorphs books, this is my jam. Megamorphs number two, in the time of dinosaurs. And 
I wasn't disappointed reading the book, but after reading not the last couple, but a few of the ones recently that have been, I thought, above quality of what, you know, you should expect from a middle school book series. Like, you know, they were really catching their stride. Um, there was some really thoughtful, really intelligent writing in some of the last few books we talked about. And even in the last Megamorphs book, which I never really liked that much or thought that much about until after we reviewed it again, you know, that was actually a really, really well-written book besides some of the, you know, amnesia tropes and things like that. So to come into this one and just remember how much I liked it because there were dinosaurs in it and they morphed dinosaurs and that was cool. Uh, it's really disappointing how, yeah, how simple it is and how kind of meandering the plot is and uh, how it doesn't go into... It doesn't feel like the Animorphs characters that we we gotten to know and have become more real as characters. It goes back into those tropes. You know, Rachel's going to jump into battle and Marco's going to tell a joke. Um, so, yeah, just kind of disappointed by the book. I mean, I'm, I really hope the David trilogy isn't like this. because <laughs> uh, I don't think it will. No, it won't be. But, you know, maybe, maybe this is just they're treating these books like something they can write a little quicker. Uh, put more action scenes in. I know it's the Megamorphs are, but even the Megamorphs book after this is really, really intelligently written. I know that, and I remember that. And, yeah, I just kind of disappointed that this isn't what I remembered it being, and this was definitely one of my favorite Animorphs books that I read over and over. Um, so, I think I'm going to... I I was going into this with a four or a five in mind. I think I'm going to drop it, like, lower... Than even you, I think I can go two out of five Macoromorphs, which I would have liked to have seen this book. I think that would have improved it as well. I just really, you think that just all Macoros, all of them. <laughs> you know what? They could have preserved the species, maybe if they had got to, you know, keep the morphs at the end. Yeah, but... you know, they they morph Macoros, they go back to present day, and they they start mating, bring back the race. <laughs> I want that book. <laughs> uh, go ahead. Okay. Okay. Now, just to clarify, I rate this as an adult reading the book, right? Yes. Okay. Not as like, oh, yeah, this is great for kids. Well, wait a minute. Didn't we, yeah. didn't we have Nate do two reviews? Like, one as a as a geek and one as a... Ah, I can't remember. No, we did, we did do something weird with him, but I don't want to do that. I want her to review it as... A 25-year-old woman reviewing an Animorphs book. Okay, so we'll start off with the cons. There weren't Stegosauruses, (laughs) which is the best dinosaur, so that knocks it down. Um, I did think it was kind of convenient how sometimes they didn't realize they could morph dinosaurs, and then sometimes they realized they could do this really fast. You know, it was kind of inconsistent. Um, I know all about convenience. Yeah. Deus Ex Machina or something, <laughs> if I remember the term correctly. Um, that's been really fun trying to spell that in text messages to Coleman. Yeah. But what else was I saying? It felt kind of irrelevant to this series, as I understand it. Like this book could have not happened, oh, totally. and nothing would have changed, which I guess is the reason for it. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen. It's not like they talk about it. Yeah, which I mean, if you morph dinosaurs, you might want to make that a thing. Yeah, I think I think Coleman and I would talk about it every day of our lives. <laughs> Dude, you remember that time we were T Rexes? 
Yeah, it was like seven years ago. <laughs> I know! Those were the good days. <laughs> uh, pros, I did like, from an outsider perspective, I liked that they played into their tropes. Because that was recognizable for me, not knowing the intricacies of their characters so much. I could point out like, oh, Marco made a joke. Yeah, that's what he does. You know, and it was like a familiarity that I didn't think I'd have. Um, I also like that there were obscure dinosaurs. It wasn't all T-Rex and Velociraptors. Um, But as an adult, I'm going to go ahead and say that it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be, but it wasn't as good as I thought it was be. I, words. Um, Good as I, as good as I thought it would be. Um, it was disappointing in some aspects and kind of surprising in some aspects. So I'm going to have to give it three out of five Dionychus's hang gliding on some pteranodons. <laughs> nice. Thanks. That's Her rating point. was I'm more original than you this week, Mitch. Uh, yeah, because I, I mean, I generally enjoy a good Animorph story. Um, it takes a lot for me to hate one of these things. I think you know that. <laughs> yeah, and I wonder if I wasn't so building it up if I would have given it a higher score. But I just don't think... I mean, I, I don't like when they pander. And I think one of the reasons we are doing a podcast of this is because we remember the series fondly because a good chunk of the series, especially the ending, the beginning, you know, some books in the middle, are well-written books. They're good books. They're not written for kids. They don't pander to kids. And I think this book did a lot of pandering. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But, you know, that's, that's kind of what we have come to expect from the Megamorphs thus far. I think the third one, they really change up the uh, the style and the thinking with the Megamorphs. And the fourth uh, one's incredibly dark and messed up. <laughs> yeah, the third and fourth are, are almost not even comparable to the first and second Megamorphs. So mm-hmm. I think we've got stuff to look forward to, is yeah. what I'm saying. I just wish this one would have held up to how I remembered it. It's kind Somebody of been... totally called this, uh, by the way, in the comments, uh, either on Facebook or Reddit. Somebody commented how they predicted one of us was going to be disappointed. <laughs> yep, it's me. <laughs> I kind of figured it'd be you too, actually. Yeah. But, <laughs> well, yeah, that that wraps it up. I mean, not as long as our other Megamorse episode, which is probably for the best. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I know. I mean, <laughs> three hours talking about the Andalite Chronicles. I think I'm surprised I didn't have to wear a diaper. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, are there any emails to read? No. we've. Well, we did get one email, but it was just saying we're awesome and that we should keep doing it and we need to put out episodes quicker. Oh, well, you know what? We have gotten... Uh, more reviews and ratings on iTunes, which are fantastic. They help the show grow. Mm-hmm. Though I do not appreciate the four-star reviews we've been getting lately. We got two four-star reviews. We actually got a third one that you don't know about. Oh, did we? But calm down. Four stars out of five. That's still a great review. We're not going to bag people for that. We we have to own up to the fact that, you know, I might say weekly podcast every time at the opening of the show... We're not a weekly podcast. No, I know. Do you want me? I can I can guilt trip everyone that's blaming you for that. Um, Nobody's blaming you for that. Lately, I had my gallbladder taken out. I was sick, and I had surgery, and Coleman had to take some time off to take care of me. 
These are real so tears I'm, right now. I'm sorry the podcast suffered on my behalf, everyone. I'm hey, I was so sorry. Actually, the last time we canceled was because me. <laughs> because I canceled. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, uh, no, I mean, we. my only hope is that, you know, yeah, we have people listening right now. They're listening week to week, looking to see if episodes pop up. Uh, I, you know, I appreciate that. I, You know, you guys are awesome for listening to us and spending some time on us and everything. I just want to make sure that each episode ends up pretty good and is and fun to listen to for our future fans who are just going to be going through the archives, you know, straight one through 54 with all the Chronicles books and everything. I want to make sure that we, you know, finish it up and that might take a while. You know, yeah, we, if, if we we're have... not releasing fast enough for you, just put it off for a year and then you'll have tons of episodes to go through. You'll have three more episodes to listen to. <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully not. We'll try to put out at least one a month for jeez. Yeah, but uh, you know, I can't. Yeah, I care more about our archives than I do because you look at you know the website like Cinnamon Buns. You know the reviews of all the Anorth books. You know most people are finding that now when all the reviews are written and they don't even do them anymore and you know laughing at them and having a good time. So, yeah, people are still talking about them online. And most so of my favorite I, podcasts I think... are ones that already are like a hundred episodes deep, and I go back and find you know the topic that I want to listen to. So, well, I think this is going to be a podcast that sits on the internet for quite a while and gains traction as the series may come back into popularity sometime in the future. Who knows? Um, I sure hope so. And if it does, we'll be even more popular then. If you're listening to this podcast in 2020 and things have changed, <laughs> please send me an email. Well, well, anyway, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we should wrap it up. This is uh we're discussing iTunes uh, reviews and ratings. We love them. Please give them to us, please. Yeah, please. or just you know, hit us up on Facebook. We have a Facebook page uh, or our website, thoughtspeakcast.com. We haven't abandoned episodes. Facebook yet. We haven't. We our Twitter's strong. Our Twitter's gotten like fifteen followers since our last episode. <laughs> I think <I'm> a total. <laughs> no nope. total. We've got We're... fifteen total. We're like at 120, Liz. Whoa! On Twitter, that's a big deal. I've been a lot of Twitter followers as well lately, so you might as well catch up with me. I'm at I am Mitchell Olson. Yeah, go check him out. He's pretty. Check important. me out. I tweet about my books sometimes. Yeah, and so yeah, there's a lot of ways to connect with us. We still every time we post anything on Reddit, I really appreciate. I posted. I don't know if you saw this, but on the Animorph subreddit, I posted like. Oh yeah, know, your like, artwork. yeah, like twelve or thirteen pieces of the art I've been making for the for each episode. People had a lot of good things to say. I had some requests for wallpapers and stuff that I wow. completely ignored and haven't done yet. Oh, geez, but, you're terrible. <laughs> but but you know I appreciate the good talk, and that's something that uh, I've had a lot of fun doing. You know, getting into graphic design a little bit more and and making that each week. And I really like the one that turned out for this one, Magmorph Number Two. I, I had fun making that. Yeah, looks good, man. Mm-hmm. I had help because my amazing, beautiful girlfriend, who's on this episode right now, got me a drawing tablet, like a digital art drawing tablet. Yeah, um, I was going to mention that. If you one did. of the Wacoms. So it's really fun. I, I love it. I'm going to be practicing with it and getting better. And... Making even cooler artwork. He's thinking butterflies. <laughs> There's going to be butterflies. She also got him <laughs> yeah, a t-shirt that has Han Solo and Carbonite on it. Well, it's not Han Solo. No, Indiana no, no, no. Jones. yeah, Indiana Jones. Yeah, that's just one. She couldn't wait until my birthday. 
which is oh, next week, fans. If you want to send anything in, money. Uh, come to think of it, it's April 8th. by the time our next episode, or by the time, by the time this is online, uh, it'll probably be our birthdays, our collective birthdays. We might as well get that out of the way. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, send your gifts or... April 8th uh, and April 9th. Yep. <laughs> send Holmans whatever you want. and mine, respectively. Yeah. He's a day, day older. I'm a day older. Day wiser. <laughs> Just one. <laughs> So, okay, let's actually wrap it up now. Let's wrap it up. Uh, from from us here at ThoughtSpeak to you at home. From the world headquarters. <laughs> thank you for listening to a review of In the Time of Dinosaurs. I am Mitchell. And I'm Coleman. And I'm Liz. Hey, that's the Trinity, baby. We're done. <laughs> See you next week. Have a good one. On behalf of everyone here at the Gardens, we hope you've enjoyed your stay and welcome you to come and see us again soon. Or, as they say on the Serengeti, Tafadali Yamtu, Kupata Jambo, Hilienje, Yakichua Yangyu.